the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Well, hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White, and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we dive in once again to this incredible book, the book of Revelation, and we're on chapter 7 today. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love that we can see so clearly from the pages of this book that, Jesus, you are in control, not just of things now, but right through to the end of all things. You are the one not only who will judge the earth, but also the one who has made a place of safety for those who love you and who put their trust in you. So Lord, we want to thank you and we give our hearts to you today and ask you to open our hearts and our minds and speak to us from this amazing book. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Pete, here we go. Mm -hmm. Chapter 7. After this... I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, sealed 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. Well done. It's wow. like reading out the, uh, yes, like, like all the genealogies. The school register. Like, oh, gosh. Glad <laughs> yeah. that's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pete, this is a, we're now very much into what we might think of as classic revelation material, the book of Revelation, as I remember it, these numbers, the 144,000, it's mm. like, this is so, this is kind of loaded with, imagery and 
presumably, along with a lot of other chapters and passages, baggage as well. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I've made no secret of of my sort of reservations about numerology and how worthy it is. You know, the 144,000 people get to this number for lots of things. They say things like, yes, yes, well, a 12 is a symbol for X, Y, or Z. You know, 1,000 is a symbol for X, Y, or Z. You know, maybe it's 12 apostles times 12 tribes of Israel times Mm -hmm. 1,000 for the number of completeness. And it's like... All right, it doesn't actually say in the Bible that 12 or 1,000 should be considered as such. And so yeah. we, we have to view those things as interpretations rather yeah. than by definite hard categories. But I want to just have a look at these four angels, if that's okay, because yep. there's a few fours, and I'd yep. like your ideas about who's what. So <laughs> we, we've just had the four horsemen of yep. the apocalypse galloping in on the scene, bringing with them war, devastation, injustice, like the death of people and all that sort of stuff. And now we've got four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, wherever they are, mm-hmm. holding back the four winds, north, south, and east and west, presumably. Yeah. And then another angel comes in with the seal of the living God in his hand, and he calls out to the four, uh, with a loud voice, to the four angels that had been given the power to harm the earth and sea, saying, don't touch it till we're done. Yeah. So how many of those fours are all the same thing? And how many of them are, are distinct, kind of separate things, do you think? Well, I thought you were going to help us with that. Oh, thing. gosh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would what, say... What you, what's your first instinct? My, my kind of constant kind of default when I look at that mm-hmm. is it's more about the four corners of the earth, which is a concept that everybody sort of understood and we still use it today yeah, don't we? We, it's an anachronism but we still use it we're still but happy enough we think of north south east west and yeah. the wind comes from those directions yeah. and and it's related to the wind mm-hmm. and so i kind of but i think it's again i i, I think it's this sense for me that although the lamb is like the conductor of the orchestra Mm. the angels are like the instruments that he's kind of calling in at strategic times and specific Mm. times of these unfolding events to do specific things yeah well I, i would definitely go along with that you know the breaking of the seals in heaven corresponds with the announcements from the trumpets and that corresponds with the pouring out of the bowls upon the earth and so in my reading the four angels that are standing at the corners of the earth may well be those same four horsemen harbinging the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And this other angel says, don't harm the earth and the sea yet, because mm-hmm. they've been given power to conquer. They've been, been given authority to judge or authority to wage war. And he's saying, don't do it yet. Yeah. So this is another sort of interruption on the desire that we have to make this into a chronology, into a timeline, yeah. right? Because it's saying... This all happened. And then someone said, oh, yeah, don't start that up until you've done this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we're, we're kind of a picture within a picture. Yeah. And we're, our timeline is always disrupted and brought back to that great beginning and then the, the great end. Hmm. So what about the 12, the 12,000, the 12 tribes? Well, for me, I suppose I will, because there's such a clear identification of actual people actual mm-hmm. tribes yeah i think this must be looking at a definite number 
in the sense that there's never been an indefinite number of people on the earth. There is always a definite number. Sure, it's just there's a definite number. Anyone of, really knows. Yeah, yeah, and okay. so alive at any one time. Oops, mm-hmm. there's another one. Uh-oh. Sorry, just <laughs> another one born. Oh, another one died. <laughs> yeah. so, so, but you've got this. Um, I, I, I would imagine in God's knowledge mm-hmm. that He knows how many of the nation of Israel will believe in Jesus and be sure. saved. And I would see this perhaps as a a reference to a number that God knows mm. of Jewish believers who will believe in Jesus yes. and be saved. Okay, well that's that makes sense because that would that would that betrays your upbringing, which sure. is to see that all of this as future realities yep. that are going to sort of gradually become known. Mm-hmm. And it correlates with Romans 9, 10 and 11, doesn't it? Where mm-hmm. it's, Paul says, you know, for the moment, their hearts have become hard, but yeah. eventually all Israel will be saved and <laughs> separate podcast probably for another one. Yeah. But there are people who look at this text as, a again, an op- apocalyptic understanding of a reality that is now history i.e. the first believers in Jesus. Okay. So they say that like um, Israel, Judaism, the people of of Jesus's life and time were given an offer to recognise the Messiah as Lord and Son of God and enter into this new covenant he was making with with Israel and Judah in accordance with the ancient prophecies. And some Jewish people did, like Mm -hmm. Peter and John and and the other people like that and for some people this list is a recognition of the jewish foundation of the church Mm -hmm. because by the end of the first century historically speaking um the time of jewish evangelism that is people who were jewish becoming christians was more or less coming to an end and almost overwhelmingly for all the rest of the church's future New converts have been from Gentiles, you know, not from the nation of Israel, or the Jewish nation per se, but the 200 and some odd other nations as well. So this is for some people a way of saying the church is a sort of new covenant people. And the foundation of that new covenant people is the person of Jesus, who was also Jewish from the tribe of Judah. And he and the Jewish people who formed the basis of the church have then, you know, the, the Gentiles have all been added to it. You know, you and me and other people have, have been added to this so that thankfully speaking, you know, the church is larger now than it has yeah. ever been, which is great news. Mm-hmm. Um, but that original foundation was people from the tribes of Israel who were gathered into the Messiah as he appeared. And in the time of Acts and the Pentecostal outpouring and the first century evangelism as a thing of the mm. apostles. Notice, if you ever read Acts, I mean, I know you've sauntered through it before. Um, they always go to the synagogue first. Yeah. They look for people yeah. who believe in the Bible, who know God, who will listen. And then they go to the other Gentiles as well. And so there is a way of seeing this as like a foundation stone for the new covenant people or a potential possible future reality, either as a sort of round two or, um, or as a, a standalone. cumulative thing. number, including the ones who began the whole thing yeah. off and maybe all of them added up together being added today mm. or yes there's a there's a bit more of a commentary on that isn't there in yeah. chapter 14 i think there is yes. yeah they they reappear and they've got some stuff got to a bit do. more detail on them do you um do you know what's wrong with this list of 12 tribes yes what have you noticed <laughs> well 
Joseph was actually two tribes. Right. Um, half tribes. In Manasseh a way. and Ephraim. Yeah. And so he doesn't normally get a mention of his own. And I think it's Dan who's left out, isn't he? Yes, that's right. So um, do you remember with um, Jacob and Esau? And Jacob steals two things from Esau. He steals the birthright and mm-hmm. the father's blessing. Yep. And um, some people interpret um, Joseph's um, status in these things as, as a sort of extension of that same theme. So he got the Technicolor dream coat because uh-huh. he got the double portion. He was going to be the, the sort of head of the tribes in that sense. And um, when he had two sons... And Jacob comes to bless the sons. He says, you know, I'm going to recognize these not only as your sons, but as my sons. That's right, yeah. And when they, the 12 tribes get into the promised land, they divide up the land into 12. Mm-hmm. And because they have a tribe, Levi, that gets no land, um, the land is still segmented into 12 pieces. And both of Joseph's tribes or sons get an allotment get chunk, in that yeah, sense. Sure. So in a way, you could say that's the double portion he was mm-hmm. promised, you know, the, the restoration right. of, of the fullness of its thing. Um but in the other sense, um, there is a, a sort of right to supremacy, which Joseph never really fully got, did he? Because no. his brothers lobbed him in a well and then sold yeah. him into slavery. Really. So that actually passed to Judah. Hmm. And Jacob said, when he blesses his sons, he says, the scepter or the right to rule will not depart from Judah until Amazing, the coming of Shalom. Yeah. So here he is first in the list, but... He was the fourth of, of 12 sons. Yes. Ju- Judah was the one who's sort of standing up there at the top of the list, partly for that reason. But Dan is another one. Dan is um, absent. And as far as I can read it, they are absent because they made their settlement not in the boundaries of the promised land that God had marked out. But they got to their bit and found it was too difficult to mm-hmm. take over the Philistines who'd arrived at a similar time. And so they left, they traveled, they were supposed to be in like the southwestern corner. Right. But so they travel all the way up through the country and out the other side in the north and they settle up there. That's in Judges 18, you can read about it. And because they set up there outside of the promised land, it seems that the prophetic word to Dan and the Danites at this time is to say, you're out. Mm. out of the covenant your place has been given up by your ancestors in a way i mean apart from anything else these tribes were not evenly sized in the first century you know the the jewishness of of you know literally judaism is is named for judah because judah is the overwhelming group who are left you notice you remember the 10 tribes were Mm. sort of struck down and, and defeated and amalgamated into the area so there wasn't much left of those two Well, I think tribes. that's what's interesting, isn't it? Mm. So at the time of Jesus, you didn't yeah. really talk so much about the about who's what ten tribe. tribes. No. And the, the Samaritans were kind of in the picture and yeah. stuff. But there, there was a bit of it. And, and <clears throat> Benjamin, Levi and Judah tended to be the historical three tribes from which Jewish people trace their ancestry. So Paul says, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jew. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And um, other people would have done. But Judah and the tribe of Judah had sort of replace not quite replaced because that's slightly unfair theologically but you know it, it replaced it and so this was this was jewish rather than israelite but here we're being given a, a, a sort of picture of a complete israel that is being completely perfectly evenly yeah. and just very represented fairly represented isn't it yeah and, you know it's it's like uh, there's a there's a certain completeness of it absolutely 
I'm not sure how the numbers actually stack up. With. It is interesting. Most people would agree that maybe we're not talking about specifically down to the person 12,000. Numbers, yeah. But maybe we're talking about a, a symbol of completeness yeah. in that sense in a general yeah. way. But I, I don't know. <laughs> but then in contrast to that, mm-hmm. so over the page, yep. verse 9. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure we'll have lots of comments on that section there. Please do sure. comment. Um uh, I know lots and lots of people have different ideas about it. Um, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. So we're not even going to try. No. <laughs> no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches on their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the elders were standing round the throne, and around the elders, the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honour, and power, and might, be to our God, forever and ever. Amen. Do you remember the old song that is effectively those exact words? Awesome. Oh, that was a banger. Great song. Mm. And so we've got this very definite, very kind of mathematically drawn up number of the nation, you know, the people of the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. But now we've given up trying to number this. This multitude is literally from every nation. Yes. From all tribes and peoples and languages. And I just I love that concept that before the throne of God. There is such a multi-ethnic Diverse. It's so huge. Mm. And it's like Jesus said, the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. And it seems as if by this reading, that's happened. Yes. And so the the fullness of the Gentiles has come in or whatever, however you're going to put that, um, express that. But it's like, there's, it's so inclusive, isn't it? Mm. Um, Every nation, every eth- ethnos, it's like a whole yes. kind of idea of the different colours of skin, different regions of the earth, all yeah. there before the throne of God. And I mean, that that is in a way the, the great cry of the Old Testament, isn't it? You know, Lord, you have chosen one nation, you have blessed one nation, yeah. you have raised up one nation to be called by your own name. And when will be that time when you truly bless and favour and save and raise up all nations. Because it's not like this nation has had a particularly perfect run of things, is no. it? Um, so when will it be that you, um, you know, gather in all you the nations? Because the right huge, out. overwhelming majority of, of people in the first century belong to all the other nations, don't they? And you've got mm-hmm. this one nation out of all the nations of the earth who are keeping safe the treasure of the covenant. But someone's got to come and unfold this on the world in a global way and it's Jesus who comes and he says right we're going to start here in Jerusalem then out to Judea and the surrounding countryside so make sure this nation hears and then by the way the next job is the ends of the earth (laughs) you know I want you in Alaska I want you in Australia I want you in the like most kind of remote tropical jungles I want you to carry this everywhere so that every nation will experience what Israel has experienced, i.e. the redemption and deliverance of God. Yeah. So 
I think that strengthens the sense in which those lists of 12,000 of the tribes of Israel should be seen in that symbolic way, because these people are being ransomed or redeemed out of the collective total of Israel, aren't they? Mm -hmm. These are the ones who have been chosen for this specific place in in heaven. uh, Well, they're sealed while they're on earth, but they're being gathered out of their national identity and into a covenant Mm -hmm. and they're being sealed as such. These are the people who've come from every nation, you know, the English ones and the Chinese ones and yeah. the whatever else ones there are. And I think that what the angel says in a minute, which we should read before we yeah, comment, before on, we really. comment too much. But, you know, it's it's clearly this is the stamp of, of the finality of the mission having been yeah. accomplished, you know, that yeah. every nation was reached, every nation experienced redemption, every nation has people in it which call Jesus Lord. Yes. And the work in that sense is complete. Yeah. But we don't know what all the different tribes are called oh, <laughs> on, we on the earth. There's just too many. Some aren't people there. like to guess. Some and people like symbolic numbers like yeah. 72 or 144. I don't like them. So I just say, and, well, and, it's, no one can count. So let's yeah. And that's a great one for me because it, it, it fits with my great expectations of God and of his plan of salvation for the mm. world. That there will be this multitude. It's too, just too vast a number. Yeah. thing is about small numbers in churches, they are easier to count, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. So thankfully, when yeah. it's done, we're not even going to bother because it's yeah. too impossible. I love it. Mm. Then one of the elders, so verse 13 says, then one of the elders addressed me, John, saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. Good answer. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall, no, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, that's the good stuff, isn't it? just love it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's the good stuff. Yeah. Spread it on toast and give it to me in as much quantity as you can. So gorgeous. So wonderful. All right. So here's a theory. Some people say, and have said for a long time, that this great multitude which appears in heaven are those who are taken out of the great tribulation, i.e. raptured out of Mm -hmm. it. So some people think there will come a moment sometime in the future when something will happen where God will take out the Mm -hmm. whole church of Jesus Christ out of the world and will just disappear all of a sudden. And I'm sure that in the gospel holes you heard it exactly uh-huh. that yep, thing. Precisely. So they understand that the 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 things that Jesus said about the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and that things that are here in Revelation and this great multitude that are suddenly in heaven, hmm. they believe that this is the church being whisked, whisked out, yep. like Noah and his family on the ark with all the animals, out of the disaster before it is all unfurled upon mm-hmm. the world. And you know, that is a strong approach in my view. You know, it's, it makes a lot of sense in terms of Revelation chapter 7. Um, other people would rather see this group as the same group that were under the altar before being told to wait, mm-hmm. who have been killed for their um, for their witness. 
and they're saying how long, how long, how long, but they're getting a wonderful new phase of like, okay, out from under the altar, everybody, it's time to party. It's time to sort of experience that great blessing of heaven, you know, the, the end of thirst and hunger, the end of every tear. You think under the altar, I think there's still some tears even, maybe. You know, how yeah, long maybe. you need to yeah. avenge us? There's oh, certainly some praying going on, isn't Whereas there? Whereas he's now saying, you know, they're now saying... The tears are gone. I'm just yeah. celebrating because I've been set free. Um, and other people say, you know, maybe it's better to see this as the people that died in the troubles of the earth. You know, the, mm. the ones who are killed. Um, because it literally says, doesn't it, that um, who are these? They're the ones that are coming out of the great tribulation or the yeah. great suffering, the great persecution. Yeah. And so maybe this is Christians from every time as well as every yeah. nation. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, when going back to Matthew 24, Jesus says these things like the wars, the rumours of wars, etc. are the beginning of the birth pains. And that word, therefore, tribulation is the same one that can be used for travail, giving mm -hmm. birth. So it's this sense that there's great pain, there's a time of great pressure, but something is happening and this... Um, travail is coming on the earth mm. and so obviously as we've been reading it reaches a climatic conclusion yeah. but it would seem to me that really from the time of Jesus onwards the persecution the tribulation of the church has been there mm. in some form or another in different countries more evident i mean like india right now is getting increasingly difficult to be a christian yeah and per and yet there's some very successful big churches going on there which is mm. really exciting but you get this sense that this is a great tribulation yeah if it is the great tribulation or a process of ever increasing tribulation i suppose is the question i i uh, that goes around in my mind and th this great multitude presumably these are people it says they're coming out of the great tribulation it doesn't say they've been whisked away yeah, from it or protected and from death no and i don't want to make a big deal of this but i look for the rapture in the book of revelation and i don't see it so i think that the expectation for me that there's this moment where suddenly we're whipped away from mm. all of that suffering i might the way I read it is um, that this tribulation is going on on the earth and then there comes a point where the the um, judgment of God really begins to be poured out and bring everything to a close. Yes. And I guess that's a time of unparalleled distress. Such as as the earth has yeah. never seen, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess. But then then we have this beautiful contrast of the ultimate destination of these people so mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if, if if this is a fair or accurate way of looking at it but it's almost like revelation 7 is like a synopsis of the kind of the post jesus's ministry on the earth kind of incarnate ministry to the end of all things kind of almost summed up in one chapter yeah well it, it is not the only chapter for which you could say exactly that and even people who think of these texts as being entirely prediction, predicting something that's still to come in the future, mm. even those people would recognise for sure that these themes have been at work this whole time, haven't they? 
you know, we have many things at work and specifically here, we've got tribulation, we've got opposition, we've got salvation, we've got redemption. And for me, the big question is, is this going to affect my life in any meaningful way? Right. Because if it is only a future reality that someone in the future of history will experience, then there's a good chance I'll die before this has any relevance to me right. at all. Very good point. And yet, for me, the huge sense I get within myself as I read this is that all of these themes are enormously important for mm -hmm. me. And this reality is a present one. It's a, um, it, it's sort of not necessarily a future-specific period, but it's inclusive of the whole history of the church, mm. isn't it? In the same way that you say mm -hmm. about the birth pains, the sons of God being revealed. This is something Paul would write about in the book of Romans. Yeah. And it's something that we still see today as the creation groans in expectation of the children of God to be revealed. And they are continually revealed. And people in Christ do die and they're sort of taken out of this great travail, this great kind of earthly groaning yeah and they are entering into the great rest of heaven aren't they so to me i i want this to affect my life i don't want it to be just some future thing that when it happens i'll get to feel ever so smug because i saw it coming you, you knew like, about it yeah i yeah. i i need to know it now because yes. it's already underway isn't yeah. it people are already suffering the church is already under attack the creation is already groaning and the life is already hard so like, let me grasp that heavenly reality yes. with both hands and pull my way towards it yeah. in that desire to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. That's that's kind of my need to see it that way. Yeah. It's why I can't relegate it to only a future. How yeah. do you feel about that? No, I do. And I, I think, like, for me, that is just such a glorious promise, isn't it? Mm. But, you know, I, I guess as well, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven... Well, if this is the if this is the thing that's going on in heaven, mm. this is Isaiah sixty one to comfort all who mourn, isn't yes. it? This is the kind of the mission of the Messiah that is not just limited to when it's all over. Mm. the The mission of the Messiah is to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as yes. it is in heaven. You know, so yeah. again, you know, it's like ammunition for our prayers, isn't it? It's like. He, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. Is, this yep. is Psalm 23 in here as well, isn't it? The streams of living water. Yeah. He will lead them. He guides them there, you know. And oh. and so I think it's, it's, to me, it seems to be both and. It's like not yeah. just an ultimate reality mm. of one day when everything's finished and over and done with. Yes. And everyone's enjoying heaven, but it's actually something that we get to taste of and see that and the have, lord is good and yeah. that he's underway yeah i think that is really really important as well and that's so good to hear you say it because to me that affects what our witness to the world actually is yeah. because you know we've got the witness of the people under the altar we've got the witness of the twelve thousand from each tribe here on earth we've got the witness of all sorts of other things so far but what is the witness is it just the end is nigh, run and hide, you're all going to die. Yeah. Everything is terrible and inexorably going to continue, keep getting more terrible forever and ever and ever. And that's the gospel. I, the the it's not hideous, news, the, the it? malignant sort of forces that are at work in this text are clear. You know, yeah. obviously yeah. we're talking about global cosmic disaster levels and things. Yeah. But we need to recognise, first of all, these are already well underway. Yeah. And second of all, that our response to them is that twofold heaven and earth kind of thing where on earth we forgive 
we turn the other cheek. We testify to a bounty that the Lord has made available mm-hmm. for to us today, don't we? And we yeah. invite people into a world where actually we should expect people to be able to climb out of poverty. We do yeah. see that people's lives can be healed and mm-hmm. saved and that people can experience reconciliation mm-hmm. in, you know, devastated family relationships. Yeah. You know, that people can actually experience this beautiful heavenly reality as it is manifested on earth here in the church. And so the challenge for the church is rather than hide in a bunker surrounded by tins of beans and guns, getting ready to fight this one world government and just having a sign that you wave saying, you know, the doomsday is upon us. What about if we had a better witness to the heavenly reality, which was here, taste and see the Lord is good. It's in my life right here. Come and see. Yeah. Come and see, come and meet the guy that changed my life and yeah. forgave my sins and healed my body Beautiful. and delivered me from evil. Yeah. Oh, that is what I want the church's witness to be. And I think come on. as the heavenly chorus kind of looks on and the passage of play, you know, what they see in the in the martyrs is not people who just knew what was happening ahead of time and said, you're all going to hell. It's people who were living in the same way Jesus lived, yeah. to love and to serve and to be kind and yes, to rebuke in its season and yes, to challenge the religious establishment. But most of all, out of love, you know, to bring that peace and hope and love into the world in the same way that it is in heaven. That is the gospel. Isn't Come it? on. Glorious. Well, let's park it there for this one. So Heavenly Father, we are excited when we just read these verses and we see this multitude is too great to number all these gathered Jewish believers in that great number the mm. people from tribes we don't even know exist God and then coming into that place of refuge or that ultimate fulfillment but Lord we're asking also that even in our day for however many years we'll live whether we see any of the wrapping up of everything mm in our lifetimes or not, that we would see your kingdom coming on the earth and the blessing and that sucker and that nurturing uh, ministry of the Lamb of God just operating through your church. In Jesus' name, Lord, we long for that. We cry out. We join our cry alongside everyone else who's crying out for those things to come about. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.